What a joy it is to hear those beautiful words. One short verse, yet full of so much power. All right, so if we still have our Bibles near us, perhaps in our hands, I want you to uh, hold on to this book. I want you to just kind of feel this book. What you're holding in your hand, the Bible, it's the word that we use for the Bible, which means the book, and this is the book. The Bible is a collection of books, 66 books written by 40 different authors. It has over 1,200 chapters. It has over 31,000 verses. It was collected over thousands of years. And the Bible says of itself, it is breathed out by God. God himself has inspired it. God himself has spoken it. God himself has given this as a miraculous gift to us. Many of us are looking for miracles. Many of us are looking for an awareness of God in our life, for God to speak to us. And here we hold in our hands a truly miraculous revelation from God. This book, from Genesis to Revelation, is the best-selling book of all time. This year, next year, and last year. No other book has been taught more. No other book has been memorized more. No other book has been translated into other languages more. Part of the reason that we love this one verse in John 3.16 is because in that one verse you understand all the other 31,000 verses. I don't know about you, perhaps you grew up thinking and believing that this book was like a religious artifact or perhaps a family heirloom. You had a Bible table in your house. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And the Bible was big, the Bible was beautiful. The Bible had its own apparatus, statues and candles and all these things, but it was a book that was never read. We thought it was a collection of laws, a collection of commandments, and then examples from heroes of our faith, those who were faithful in obeying those commandments. And then what happens? We see Christ. We're born again. We're filled with the Spirit of God, and then we actually read the book. And we see, oh no, this isn't just a collection of rules, while it includes that. It's not just a collection of poems, which is in there. It's not just history. It's not just wisdom. This is God's redemptive story to save his people and to save you. This is how God has worked in the world, but also in our hearts to save us from us and to deliver us from sin. That's what John 3.16 proclaims, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Today, for the sake of our study, we're going to split up this verse into two. And the three components that we're going to look at, if you're taking notes, are the first two words first, for God and then we're going to look at so loved the world, and then he gave his only son. I'm going to ask us if we remember a date. 
Many of us remember a lot of important, significant days through our lives. The one I'm going to mention you will remember if you were alive at the time. How many of us remember the day before it, though? How many of us remember September 10th, 2001? Probably none of us, right? Don't really know what you were doing. Don't really know where you were. Don't really have any memories of that specific day. But how many of us remember the next day? September 11th, 2001. I can tell you exactly what I was doing who I was talking to every moment, I can tell you in detail. Why? Because tragedy struck. Horror overwhelmed our nation as truly evil people took many innocent lives and tried to destroy this nation's hope. On 9-11, we remember because of its significance, and those numbers are forever etched in our minds, not only as individuals, but as a society. Those numbers proclaim something. Those numbers mean something. 9-11, whereas it used to be just a date, now all of a sudden it's a reminder of sadness. Of course, the heroicism of many, including our first responders. But you see what numbers can do? You see, friends, many of us, before we came to Christ, These numbers, 316, perhaps did not mean that much to us. But when you know and believe and receive Jesus, you see why these truths inside this verse, 316, changes every day after it. In the same way that for many of us, our lives were changed every day after 9-11. If we truly believe, truly understand the implications, the application of these three numbers, 316, Not only will every day in this life be changed, but every day forever in this life and the next will be changed. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. This passage, this verse, begins with God. And by the way, so does the whole Bible. The whole Bible doesn't begin with us. It proclaims that there is a God, that God is. That before we understand what God has done, we want to proclaim that God is. If we understand that God is, that changes and shapes and directs all of our lives. A.W. Tozer said it like this. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. Whether you deny his existence or whether you created your own version of him or whether you're trying to follow the God of the Bible, it will dictate, it will determine how you live your life. It will determine how you love your wife. It will determine how you raise your kids. It will determine how you handle yourself at work or in conflict or when you're alone or when you're looking for fun and recreation and pleasure. You see, we are people of belief. You're more than what you do, friends. You're not a human doing, right? You're a human being, Everything, our behavior flows from our beliefs. Our actions are determined by our attitudes. So if there is a God, who is that God? Well, the Bible describes God as life. God is life. Not only does God create life, not only does God give life, God is where life is found. Not only is God life, God is also light, meaning that God is holy God is pure, God is perfect, and there is not an ounce or an iota of any sin or shadow or darkness in who he is. God is life. 
God is light. And as we're going to hear in a moment, God is love. But there's many voices in our culture that will deny even the existence of this God. Has anyone ever heard the name Carl Sagan? Do you remember the famous influential astronomer Carl Sagan? He said this, Our planet, speaking of planet Earth, our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all of this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. Carl Sagan, as he looks upon the vastness of the universe, as he sees the obscurity of planet Earth, he says there's no way that help is coming from outside of us to save us from us. Richard Dawkins takes it to the next level. Another influential scientist, and these men aren't just atheists. We understand that, right? There's atheists who are content to not believe, and then there's anti-theists who want to make sure no one else believes as well. Dawkins says this, In a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the same properties we would expect if there is no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. What a cheery thought. <laughs> Not too many Hallmark cards with that Richard Dawkins quotes on them. You didn't see them when you were shopping for your Mother's Day cards. He's trying to be brutally honest. Oftentimes, we're not intellectually, brutally honest. If God is, then yes, it shapes how we see not only the universe, but ourselves. And of course, the most famous quote about if God is comes from none other than Friedrich Nietzsche. It's three words, but it was a bold declaration. He said that God is dead. Now, of course, the irony is Nietzsche is dead and God's reign and rule continues on forever and ever. <laughs> But even this simple idea, this simple concept that God is, is going to be flat out denied. But friends, I'm guessing for many of us gathered here today, it's not an issue of whether God is, but who this God is. Who this God is. And when the Bible says God is perfect in his light, that God is life and life itself, but also that God is love, even in church, Right now, all eyes up at me real quick. Even right now, you may believe that there is some kind of God, but we have a hard time believing what we're about to hear. That God truly does, truly does, friends, truly does love you. And why do we have a hard time believing that? I mean, I don't mean like he's contractually obliged to love you because he's God and that's what he's supposed to do. No, I mean a love that's deeper than any love. It's a love that Hollywood knows nothing about. It's a love that your romantic novels know nothing about. It's a love that even in the peak and pinnacle of human relational, perhaps even marital, intimate love knows nothing about. If this same God that created the cosmos, created the universe, if he is, and not only he is, but he is love, 
Surely that love is deeper, is wider, is higher than any other love known to humanity. Do we believe that? John will build upon this in his epistle. He'll say 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Dear friends, friends, listen. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because, let's say it together, God is love. Let me hear it. Very good. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love. This is how he does it. This is how he did it. He does it in other smaller, secondary, tertiary ways. This is his primary way. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. For God so loved the world. How many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to nod your head, but we could probably relate. How many of us, when we hear this verse, for God so loved the world, that we base God's love for us by what he gives us from the world? Did you hear that? We tend to base God's love for us and for the world by what he gives us from the world. And that's why the world... It's kind of an interesting biblical subject. The world not only refers to this planet that we abide on, but oftentimes the world also refers to a world that is anti-Christ. It has its own ideology. It has its own philosophy. It has its own outlook. It has its own bent. It has its own perspective. I believe this passage is referring to that which God has made. God so loves the world, his creation. God so loves you, made in his image. He loves humanity. Now, what's shocking about that? It's shocking that God so loved the world, not because the world is so big, but why? Because the world is so bad. How many of us are sick and tired, weary and exhausted from the constant bad news? Always bad news. And today, we have a new phenomena, fake news. When we come to John 3:16, it is good news. It's gospel. That's what gospel means. It is good news that God is and that God loves. Buck Parson put it like this: In himself, God is love. Through himself, love is manifested. And by himself, love is defined. You see, we might think that the greatest thing we can get from God is stuff, stuff from the world. No, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows that we have a deeper desire than anything else in this world. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, literally, if nothing in this world satisfies you forever, everything's fleeting, everything promises a lot, never delivers. If nothing in this world satisfies you, does that not mean, as C.S. Lewis said, we are made for another world? Yes, the Bible says that he is love. I like how Charles Spurgeon put it. He said, nothing binds me to my Lord like a strong belief in his changes love. How do we know he loves us? Yes, he does bless us. He gives us blessing of family and friends, blessing of shirts and clothes and food. 
But oftentimes we are frustrated. We doubt God's love. Why, friends? Because we're not allowing God's word to renew our minds so that our expectations would sh- should be where, they're, at, where they're, they're meant to be. How do we know God loves us? He did the unthinkable, the unfathomable. He gave to us a bunch of prodigals, seekers, skeptics, rebels. The Bible says we are hostile in our minds to God without Christ. The Bible says that we're dead in our sin without Christ. And God gave us his son, the perfect spotless lamb of God. And what does it mean that he gave his son? It's not just that he gave him his life. And we need the perfect life of Jesus. Yes, we need to know, it's helpful to know that God walked amongst us, lived amongst us. He shared in our good days, in our bad days, it is the perfect righteousness of Christ that is imputed, that is credited, that is given to those who believe. But gave doesn't just mean his life. No, God the Father gave Jesus. Gave Jesus so that he would lay down his life so that we could live forever. I heard a story, it was reported by the Los Angeles Times, about a horrible airplane that went down. Northwest Airlines Flight 225 crashed just after taking off from the Detroit airport in Michigan. Only one person survived, a four-year-old girl from Tempe, Arizona, named Cecilia. The story goes, Los Angeles Times reports, that when the rescuers found Cecilia, they actually thought that she wasn't in the plane, that perhaps she was in one of the rescue convoys, and she had been wrongly counted as a survivor. But when the pagister register for the flight was checked, there was Cecilia's name. You see, Cecilia survived because even as the plane was falling, Cecilia's mother, Paula, unbuckled her own seatbelt got down on her knees in front of her daughter, wrapped her arms around the body of Cecilia and would not let go. This mother died for her daughter, laid down her life so her daughter could live. We get windows and pictures into this kind of self-sacrificial love, but all of it is just a drop in the bucket compared to what Jesus has done for us. The word only son here in this passage means one of a kind, the one and only. You see, Christ is the only revealer of God to humanity, and Christ is the one and only redeemer from God to save us from ourselves, to save us from our lesser loves, to save us from the sin that yes, the God who is love hates. Does our God always and forever love? Yes. The language that the Bible uses is that he loves us so much, he hates those things that destroy us. He hates the sin that divides us. He hates the sin that takes and robs the hope of salvation and the joy of being filled with the Spirit. Christ and Christ alone is the Redeemer from God. Titus chapter 3 says this, friends, listen. 
When the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Can we all say that together? Because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Christ Jesus our Savior. You see, the first word in this passage is not just God, but it's for God. It's connecting it. It's the connective tissue to what we heard before. What did we hear before John 3.16? John 3.3. I tell you the truth. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Until we look to the crucified Son of God on the cross. Until we lay down our defenses, our excuses. And friends, let's be honest with ourselves. We're all looking for love. We are all desperate for love. We try to find it in friendship. We try to find it in pleasure. We try to find it in success. We're all looking for love. How's the song go? We're all looking for love in all the... You got it. You can leave this church and you will still be on your journey looking for love. The Bible says it's right where you never guessed. It's right where it's always been. And the one who created you the one who lived for you, the one who died for you, and the one who rose again so you could be saved, you could be made new, you could be born again, and you could truly understand for perhaps the first time in your whole life just how wide and high and deep is the love of Christ. John Owens, a Puritan writer, once said this, the greatest sorrow and burden you can lay upon the Father, the greatest unkindness you can do to him is to not believe he loves you. Jerry Bridges actually takes it to the next level. He says, our great God loves his children. Not only loves his children, but he loves to love his children. Do we know this love, friends? You see, what we're called to do, first off, is to believe, is to receive in our hearts this love, to understand that God is, God loves, God gives. And when we understand that this God is, what do we understand? What we are not. The Bible proclaims, and it's offensive. It's offensive to our ears. It's offensive to our hearts. It's offensive to our entitlement society. That the universe is not about you. Your life is not about you. And that's the best news you ever heard. It's about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. How many of us are tired of living a loveless, half-hearted, fragile and fickle journey with Jesus? Would you with us truly Dive in to all the beauty, all the power, and all the promise of John 3.16. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the words that left the lips of Frederick Nietzsche that God is dead have echoed through the halls of media and academia for decades and decades. 
Yet God's movement, His kingdom, His reign continues. And I pray that it would continue not just in theory, but in reality to someone's heart, someone's marriage, someone's life. Not only the quote-unquote good or holy parts of their life, but all of their life. You see, God not only loves the world, He loves us. He welcomes us as we are. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. Oh, but He loves you too much. Too much to let you walk down this path forever. So would you turn? Turn from self and turn from sin. Would you return? Return to God and return to His grace. Would you open up your heart and trust and believe? Lay down that heavy burden, tired of running, tired of carrying it. Oh, would you find peace in the arms of the one whose hands were pierced for you? Would you believe? Believe in God's great salvation story. If you're ready, the time is now. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me. The prayer is a helpful guide. But in the end, it's what the Holy Spirit does in your heart. Pray with me now. Heavenly Father, you are holy. And I am a sinner. I'm tired of running, God. I'm tired of being tired. Today I surrender. Today I return. Today I want to come back to you. Not just a church, but my whole life. Please forgive me of my sin, God. Please fill me with your spirit and give me the grace to follow you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our King. Amen. Friends, let's rise to our feet.